everybody. Welcome back to Strong Christian Female. And we are diving literally right in to the second part of the lie of cerebral currency. We started this the other day. If you haven't listened to part one, back up and listen to it. It's got a lot of good stuff to chew on in that. And also just, I want you to have a frame of reference of what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is just this lie that has just persevered in the church, especially church cultures that I have personally been a part of in the Pacific Northwest, even the Northwest, but it's but it's everywhere. And it's just this lie of your brain, your mind, your knowledge, your information is equivalent to a relationship with the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. The Pharisees and Sadducees thought the same thing. Is it good? And should you continue to read the word and study the word? Absolutely. Do not misunderstand me. But it is really a pervasive lie in the church right now that says that your minds and your thoughts are where the end of the knowledge of God exists. And that's not possible. It's impossible to do that. So I want to first dive into quite a few scriptures. There are so many scriptures on God's wisdom and other things. But you know, it it talks a lot also about the ways of man and the double mindedness of man. You know, in Proverbs 69, it says a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're trying to please the world and please God, you're double minded. If you're trying to justify sin through the word, hello, that's more than double minded. But also if you're trying to justify anything in your life that is not of the Lord, and you're trying to somehow put that under the umbrella of grace, you know, you don't understand God. And, and to be honest, you don't understand what grace is really about. And if you've experienced his grace, why in the world would you want to continue sinning? But this goes beyond deliberate sin. It's really more about where you've decided God ends for you, what box you've placed him in, what boundaries you've put him under. And that's really what we're getting at. I apologize too. If you are listening to these two podcasts back to back, you'll notice that my voice is quite deeper today. Um, I was up late helping a friend with something and I loved it, but I did stay up a little later than usual. And for some reason, my voice has decided to have this really cool raspy depth to it today. So uh, we can all enjoy that together. But let's look into some scripture. James 1.8 is a an echo of Proverbs 14.12. So this is, you know, obviously a Christian who is a Jew repeating what he grew up knowing in the Torah. So it's the same scripture and it says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end of that leads to death. Sometimes our way isn't necessarily that we went down a road of tumultuous sin and live this crazy life. It's that we simply stopped allowing God in our lives, stopped allowing him in everything. See, God doesn't just want your tithe, which people push back on. God doesn't just want your 10 minutes in the morning. God wants everything. He wants all of it. How you spend your money, where you plan on living, what you name your kids, how many kids you have, what job you, he wants all of it. And it's not meant to be an overwhelming thing. It's truly a day by day by day relationship. And yet we limit him. We stop and we say, I'm going to justify this because, I mean, he wants to know what movies you're watching, what books you're reading, everything. But when we, in our minds, limit God, justify our sin by applying, you know, pieces of scripture, you realize a scripture, as we call it, a one little section of a writing is not how it's meant to be read. It's never been what, how it's meant to be read. So when you take out a half of a sentence to justify something, not only is that radically out of context, it's simply not how God's word is meant to be read. 
So we don't want to live these lives where we are justifying things or limiting God. Let's go the other end. Let's say you you love the Lord. You're not out there doing anything wrong, but you've absolutely limited how he influences your life. I have done that in my life. You guys, I obtained what they call an autoimmune disorder, which means we don't know how you have it or what's going on, but it's affecting your immune system. I have it 100% under control through diet. I would say maybe more like 90% under control. There's still issues and they don't know why. Now, these aren't life-threatening. I can control my diet and live a happy life, but I have to radically control my diet. And and it is not God's best for me. There are good food, whole foods, natural foods, organic foods I can't eat because my body has an just an, a, a staunch reaction to them. Am I grateful that I can adjust my eating and live a healthy life? Absolutely. Does God want my body to be broken? No, no. He sent his son, Jesus, not only to redeem me from my sin and bring me back to a personal relationship with the Lord. He died on the cross so that I can be healed. It says by his stripes, we are healed. We are whole. We aren't broken anymore. And yet I've lived with justification of no longer believing God for my healing because I can control it through my diet. And God has really convicted me of that, especially this last year. And yet... Did I receive some sort of instantaneous healing when I started confessing my healing? No. Do I believe God wants to heal me? Yes. Where in that, that wrestling match, right, of the reality of God's word and his goodness and what he's convicted me of and the manifestation, if you will, of my healing, do I live? I live in the God zone, the a little in the unknown zone. The I know this much and the rest I don't know. I'm going to stand on what I do know and look into what I don't know and believe God's there. That's where I'm at. Maybe it's for you, someone who in your family has walked away from the Lord and your brain has stopped. (laughs) Your faith has ended. That trail has hit the dead end and you're like, they don't want God. They won't listen to me. They don't care. They're no longer with him. They're living the life they want to and on and on and on. We all know at least one of those people, if not 25. And we say, what if they die and they don't know Jesus? Is that on my head? Is it, you know, don't take on that guilt, but don't continue to believe they'll never come to Jesus either. Say, God, I don't know how your ways work in someone who's stubborn and hard-hearted and who just wants to do things their way or who's desperate and lonely and alone and still just denies them. But I'm going to stand and pray for their salvation. Pray that someone comes across their path. Pray that the Holy Spirit move through a book, through a movie, through a person. Pray that they are sent dreams of things that only God would know about them. That happened, actually. I heard a testimony recently of a um, a well-known man. He said that God in his 20s sent him a dream and showed him things only he knew, and even a few things he'd forgotten. And he knew it was from the Lord. Just the beautiful way God sent him this dream, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt it was from from God. And it led him to Jesus, the person, not just Jesus, the religion. He'd grown up religious, but he didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And he really was searching for meaning and like being philosophical and all these things. So let's get some more scripture in here. It says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but Jehovah weighs the heart. God knows, you guys, if he, if you are still seeking him. He also knows when you've stopped. And we can justify that, right, with this cerebral knowledge, this cerebral information. Well, I feel like in the Greek and the Hebrew, that's fine. It's good to know those things. But, oh, my gosh, if that has led you to God no longer being a mystery, sweetie, you've created a God that doesn't exist. 
He is and forever will be mysterious in the coolest of ways because his ways are so far above ours. In Proverbs 16, 29, it says the man that has wandered out of the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. If you no longer seek God and understand him and want his wisdom, which is God's view applied to knowledge, then you are abiding among the dead. Who wants to do that? Those that that are literally no longer having life. They don't seek the life of God, the very essence of what God has set up. All right, here's a, there's so many, you guys. We're going to, it's switching over to God's wisdom. Like if it says in James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. James 3, 17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You guys, when were the ways of the world pure, peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits? Never. Impartial and sincere. Never. Has that? No. Only God's wisdom is that way, not man's wisdom. You could literally sit there and say, man's wisdom is not pure, not peaceable, not gentle, not open to reason, not full of mercy, not full of good fruits, not impartial, and not sincere. We don't want that. We want God's wisdom. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. Psalm 111.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever, far before we were here and far after we're gone from this earth, his praise will endure. Romans 11.33, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How searchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Isaiah 40.28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You guys, that sets up everything we've talked about. God's ways are unsearchable. His understanding is unsearchable. He doesn't end. How can we think we've even begun to understand a God who never ends? Okay, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. That's Proverbs nineteen twenty. But who are you accepting advice and, and instruction from? Are you getting knowledge, systems, or are you getting wisdom? Someone who doesn't know the Lord can only bestow good information, good advice, but can they bestow wisdom? A God lens adds an entire dimension onto knowledge that simply doesn't exist in the world. Here's one. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. We've got to stay humble, which means we can't think so highly of ourselves we think we've arrived. Again, we do need to stand on the foundational truths of the word and not back down. But when God is showing us things, when we're learning things in the word, we need to be pliable. Colossians 2, 2 through 3 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As in Christ. So God's mystery is, is Christ, and in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. You guys, again, information doesn't mean we're wise. And yet, again, I, I appreciate those that want and crave higher learning, that love wrestling with really deep thinking. That is godly. There's nothing wrong with deep thinking. The greatest scientists of all time were believers. 
who, who the church, mind you, a lot of them were thrown in prison because of heresy, because they actually wanted to say, there's a universe out there beyond what we can see. It was created by God. He has shown me how vast and amazing he is. We can't even wrap our heads around it. And they were actually called heretics. And yet they loved the Lord and they never shied away from that because they saw his glory in everything. So they held true to their intelligence, but they held truer to their God. Because someone might have told them, just tell them what they want to hear and they won't kill you. And they said, no, God has revealed this to me. I will not deny it. And of course, so many of it was easily proven in, in the coming years with the advancement of the telescope and the microscope. And other things were also disproven. You guys, people don't talk much about this for some reason, but Darwin's theories have been disproven. People get angry at me when I say that outside of the church, but it's true. His theories are based on massive probabilities that have been, at least to this date, never been proven. And yet we just shove that dumb theory out there all the time. He had a theory and that theory was based on what he called, well, what I'll call a missing link, a a massive missing link, because all they could find when they would do archaeological digs was this, you know, layer after layer of life. And then all of a sudden, after one unbelievably intense layer of just uh, inexplicable creation, nothingness. And they said, well, surely under this nothingness is the missing link because, you know, this couldn't have sprung up from nothing. It had to have come from something because we believe in evolution. But we'll put that aside for now. We're just going to shove that over there and trust that we find that little missing link. And then all my theories will be proven true. And he also said, if not, if there is greater advancement in science and it, my theories are debunked, then they're not true. He was actually a true scientist. People omit those two facts. A, we've never found that missing link that he talked about. And B, with the DNA microscope and the, um, just the knowledge of the DNA strand, which he didn't have, we've radically disproven his theories. Not only that, further observation of the birds he had and all these other things where he was like, their beaks have, you know, developed and evolved over time. No, they had actually evolved over a very short amount of time because of drought. And they went back to the way they had been when there was plenty, like within the lifetime of the scientists observing them. So people don't discuss these things, but man's ways are deceitful, are to hide truth. They don't want to seek truth. See, it's okay to have questions about God and seeking truth. It's when someone says, this is the end of the road. There's nothing past this. Trust me on that. Um, This is how it is. So just stop. That's when it gets weird, right? You can't you, it's okay to keep going in truth, shrouded in God's wisdom. See, it says in Proverbs 13, 1, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You guys, you tried to talk to people who don't believe the way you do. They are scoffers. They re, they just, they don't care. They don't want to be corrected. But people who are pliable in the church, we just need to be pliable. We need to have other believers who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, be able to say, hey, I know that's how you're reading that scripture, but let's go back. Let's reread this whole text. Let's pray together. Let's wrestle through this because I think you're misinterpreting it, right? I, th- I think you're, and, and what about in your job? God's going to give you wisdom in your job and relationships, but also how to better do your job. And they're going to wonder why you have so many great ideas. Well, it's because you're tapped into the Lord. 
But don't fool yourself and think that, you know, you don't need others or that, that those are all you. I mean, the Holy Spirit is going to give you wisdom and these downloads of information, which we all desperately need in your marriage. You know, you may have come into a place in your marriage where you're saying this, it's not going to get any better. It hasn't gotten better in five years, 10 years, 15 years. And God is saying, no, you have created an end to me in that area of your life. Stop creating an end to God in areas of your life. The cerebral currency piece justifies an end. But God is saying, I don't end. I don't end in any area of your life. You must invite me in. You must allow me to come in. And I know some of us have begged God for things and not gotten it and not understood and it hurts. So we shut the door so we wouldn't feel pain anymore. And he's saying, open the door. I never left. You boxed me in. You expected me to work in a certain way. And when I didn't, you said I wasn't there. But that's not true. Your mind is telling you that. But I'm telling you something different. So Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs 18, 2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion, but only in expressing his opinion. How true is that? With God, our wisdom and might, he has counsel and understanding. That's in Job 12, 13. Are we no longer seeking God? Are we no longer wanting his counsel and his understanding, his wisdom and his might? Because we've, we've walled that off and said, I'll let God in except for there. That's too painful for me. I'll let in God except for there because it's not working. So he, his ways must be, you know, it, he is a mysterious God. So we prefer scripture to say stuff like, well, it must be the Lord's will that I stay sick because he hasn't healed me. That's weird. And yet I've been there. I'm sort of there, except God's telling me I'm wrong, but I don't want to persevere. I don't want to press in. I don't want to contend. I want it fast and quick and easy. And that's not how God works all the time. He says, seek me, seek me, seek me, and you will find me. If he sent his son to the cross to die for my sins and to heal me, why am I not contending more for that and thanking God for that and trusting that God is going to meet me there? God is not done with me, but his ways are not my ways and his time frame is definitely not my time frame. But I'm not going to stop seeking him because my brain can't wrap my head around it happening. See, I've been healed before by him. I used to have over 1,200 flat warts on my face. I looked like I had lizard skin. This is true. And for five years, I contended for a healing. And I finally just said, God, I don't believe you're going to heal me. But the Bible says I'm to pray and believe and I'm going to pray and believe. But I don't believe. I'm just praying. And then a few weeks went by. And in one night, I went to bed after washing my face, 1,200 flat warts or more. They were just horrible. And I woke up in the middle of the night and they were all gone but one, all of them. And that one has since disappeared too. But they were all gone, all of them, instantly, five years and one night. And yet, where am I limiting God in other areas of my life? Because I'm not willing to wait that long. Or I've decided what his decision must be because I'm not seeing results and there are things we've prayed for that are not his will, that are not what he has told us. And we're manipulating the word. But healing is not one of those areas. A whole marriage is not one of those areas. Kids who love the Lord is not one of those areas. Strength to disciple is not one of those areas. We've got to stop applying the world's logic to what God clearly has outlined in his 
Bible as his will. A lot of that does take our participation, but there is a place where our participation ends and his holiness, his his power, his mercy must enter for it to be fulfilled. And he's not going to chip you on his end of the deal. But we have to realize that sometimes that end of the deal, so to speak, isn't in our timeline. And for us to give up and walk away is Satan deceiving us. In Proverbs 14, 8, it says the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his ways, but the folly of fools is deceiving. So we've been deceived by the world into thinking that God doesn't want what he actually says in his word he wants. So we're, we're arguing his own word against his word. It's weird. And I've been there. I know how weird it is. You guys, the Bible talks on and on and on. I could literally give you a hundred more scriptures on this. In Romans 16, 27, it says to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the only living God and he's the only wise one. Anyone telling you different, whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, yoga, you guys, there's no wisdom in yoga. It is an extension of, of the Hindu culture and there's no wisdom there. And I know people will try to tell you otherwise, but it's not true. There are so many things this world will, will say are fine and it's not true. There are so many ways that they will try to tell you to follow and and that's where we've pushed God out and replaced it with these ridiculous cultural idols in the church and out of the church. So where in your life have you stopped God from working because you simply can't wrap your head around it? Or you're angry or hurt or you've justified stopping because God hasn't done it the way you've wanted or expected the way you feel he should do it. Again, in your marriage, in your life, in your healing, in your career, whatever. And maybe he told you a long time ago in a still small voice that the path you were taking was not what he wanted for you. And you've been ignoring him and yet still applying scripture to it, thinking, well, he must want this because doors keep opening. That is true sometimes. And and a lot of times I might say, but are you asking him, show me your wisdom, show me your will for this. And if he's quiet, and things keep happening, okay. But if you feel like you're fighting against the goads all the time to make things happen, and you just keep confessing the Lord over that, maybe, as the Bible says, he's resisting the prideful, and you're the prideful, because I've been that person too. He was resisting me. Oops. Because I wouldn't yield to him. Because dang it, I'm a self-starter, survivor, entrepreneur, you know, self-reliant, I can do it, American, blah, blah, blah. And God has not taken away my dreams, but he has revamped them, stripped me down to reorganize my priorities, equipped me with more wisdom than I had before. Let me tell you that. And, and it's such a better place. And my knowledge does end, but my faith in him has grown so much further than even my more, what people would call blind faith. My faith is not blind, but it is absolutely not ending anytime soon, if ever, I will all, I have such a deeper, more sustaining faith in the, in the God I serve than I ever have in my life. And it's because he has reprioritized. I've allowed him into every area of my life. I've allowed him into my career choices, my family choices, my parenting choices, my marriage choices, my entertainment choices, my food choices. He's come into every area of my life, which is what he does if he's Lord of your life. And he's revamped everything. And I've stopped fighting him with my mind and my logic and my biblical application that was actually, oops, not in context or accurate, or it was a little manipulative. Like we all kind of like to manipulate God, right? This isn't to beat you over the head. This is to excite you. This should excite you. Oh, thank the Lord. My answers aren't the end of this. 
God, that's the be, you know, me seeking God is the beginning of wisdom, which means there's a whole lot more wisdom for us to get, which is exciting. We aren't trapped in our own, our own limitations. We aren't trapped and, and we shouldn't trap him. You guys, this should be a breath of fresh air, not something you beat yourself up about. We get to always seek his wisdom and grow. He gets to show up with his wisdom when everyone else is baffled. He gets to love us and not favor anyone above anyone else in his, in his kingdom. That means we aren't on the low ring, you guys. It's exciting. He loves us as much as anyone else. He will give us his wisdom as much as anyone else. He will show us how to love and walk in his favor. But he will also fulfill what he has said, which is, hey, if you continue to resist me, push me out, I will start to resist you. You guys, if we need to repent because we've been prideful, let's do it. Let's come to the Lord and say, I want all of you. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And my mind does not get this, but I ask God that you no longer limit yourself in my life because I have limited you in my life. Bust through my own prejudices, my own ununderstanding, my own self-righteousness, my own pride. I give everything to you. Let's pray. God, you're an amazing God. We could go on and on and on about how amazing you are. We are not going to limit your greatness, your goodness, your mercy, your fruit, nothing. We're not limiting anything. We're all in. We are not in our cerebralness and our information, even though that's a good thing. But we are not going to use that to box you in, to build a building you must live in. And we we won't trap you in our own minds. We don't want that anymore. We want the miraculous. We want the healing. We want to see people saved. We want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow. We want to see crazy, amazing, wonderful things. And we aren't going to question the presence of the Holy Spirit anymore. We love you. We thank you. Be with us this week. Show us you. And let us recognize you. Peel these blinders off our eyes. You've been showing yourself to us our whole lives and you're like, hello, I'm right here. But let us peel the blinders off that we've built out of our own limited minds and see you, all of you, and be willing to be crazy for you and step out for you and say prayers for you and lay hands on people for you. We're not going to limit you anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, have a great week. This is going to be awesome. See you soon. 